Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Thoughts from Your Gal Pal podcast. This is the April episode, and today we have a special guest in the form of an April birthday, an Aries birthday, a fire sign, and it is somebody who I... It's been a running joke that we need to add them onto the podcast. In fact, I believe they've been mentioned three to four times in separate instances as a potential guest and as a birthday gift and an inevitable conclusion, they are here today. So without further ado, welcome to the podcast, my brother-in-law, my friend, Taylor Venata. Hello world. This is so exciting. I finally get to meet the gal with the thoughts got this uh this nice microphone no ads on uh on this podcast but we get a little bit of a little side swiping a little we love it got the nice microphone out today i got this for my brother he you know my brother bought this uh for music he was like yo like christmas like let's let's play music i was like all right cool i'll play some play some music he's like i'm gonna get a microphone i'm like hang on now how how are we getting? Mm. How are we uh how are we doing with that? So did you ever make the Venata Family Jam Band album? That was it. I think that was it. You know, we recorded all those Christmas songs. I don't know if I ever I think I still have those audio files. I'll have to Did dig you ever those do up. anything with it? I think I cleaned them up uh and like cut out some garbage and we recorded everything on one long take. So I kind of chopped it up for different songs. I ought to I ought to post that somewhere. I don't know where I'd do that. You could make it a Christmas gift for your family. It's a real ode to the family sing, which has Maggie told you about the family sing on the Mitchell side? No, what's the family sing? The family sing is on my mom's side of the family. So my mom's technically stepmother, but the person who she calls mom was an extremely talented person, period. But she had amazing piano and organ skills. So every Christmas, the, the tradition has faded since her death in... 2015, 2016. Mm -hmm. Sorry, mom. They would gather all of that side of the family and they would sing songs. I only attended a few because we weren't up in New Hampshire, but there's so many epic home videos of it. You, this woman was so amazing. You could literally say, play a jazzy rendition of Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. And she would play it without (laughs) on the piano. I mean, she's just unbelievable on the piano. And I remember my mom and aunt Peggy were these just kind of this little dynamic duo, like a an abbreviated Von Trapp, like family. They just sung all the time together. And that's why my mom still sings. So I'm surprised Maggie's never told you about she's, that. I think she's told me about it a little bit, but I've never heard about the like just totally talented uh, sort of mom. But I think the, I just love getting a bunch of people singing. My brother Britton loves it. And uh, it, it was fun at one time. It's fun. I think everybody kind of expects a lot of the people who can play any instrument. So they're all like looking at yeah. you to like start the next song. And that kind of freaks me out a little bit, but I'm kind of like, what do you guys want to play? This is an interesting segue in a sense that I realized many of your hobbies start with the letter B, B is in Bravo. Oh, interesting. When I first met you, banjo and bass, okay. beer brewing, yeah, board games, <laughs> books. Books. Isn't that funny? I know. I know it's crazy. I have. I'm sure I'm missing several. Of I have them. too many hobbies. I'm a um, serial hobbyist. I will if you like convince me. Talk to me at a party one time. I'm gonna be totally in. I'm like three hundred dollars in. I'm all in. Let's do it. Um, I've got to get a. So handle. do you think that you would fall victim to a Ponzi scheme? Probably because <laughs> you're easily swayed. Probably. I got a hilarious <laughs> story about that. Actually, one time this um, like scammer called me. 
at work and was like, hey, uh, what was the mm. what was the story? This was during. Oh my god, I remember. Do you remember this? Okay, so this is during. Yes, but I can tell the this story. This is during COVID, like not the height of COVID, but like a little after the height. Everybody was still like weird and things were weird and everybody was trying to crank up like normal life but like in a safe covid way it was very annoying and whatever so this number calls me and is like hey i'm with the fulton county police department my name is officer so-and-so we um what was the what was the situation it was something like very reasonable like we we oh you had missed jury duty like you had missed it. We had sent you a letter in the mail and you never like came. So we've got to like. Wait, did they know your name? Yes. They're like, is this Taylor? Point of information. They're okay. like, is this Taylor? And like, I don't know. Like, I don't know about this stuff. You know, maybe I'm not a good citizen. I've done jury duty once. Uh, didn't get called like everybody else. But um, I just, I they called me and I was like, well, I'm, I'm at work. I don't know. I was like in the wrong frame of mind. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You just, you need to come down to the station and we'll do a couple, bit of paperwork and we'll figure it out. It'll be fine. I was like, holy shit. And I was like, kind of trying to call his BS. I was like, you know, like, could you tell me again where that is? And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So-and-so blah, blah, blah road. And it was, and I looked it up on my computer. <laughs> it was the Fulton County police thing. And I was like, golly, like, I guess that, like, I don't know. I don't know officer so-and-so personally, but like, I better do it. So I'm like, I tell my boss, Andrew, I'm like, you know, like they're going to like, I don't know, fucking arrest me or something. So I guess I got to go down. So I leave work. This is the funniest thing. It wasn't a busy day at work, I guess. I didn't leave work and I'm like, yeah. all right, bye, I guess. going to go figure this out. I get down there and I call him back on my in the car, hands free only uh, in Georgia, of course. And I call him. Mm-hmm. That's right. And I call him and... Uh, and I'm like, all right, dude, I'm on my way, Officer Walker or whatever. And uh, and he's like, okay, but real quick, can you uh, you got to pay in cash because this is like weird COVID times. And I was like, okay, like kind of weird. Pay for what? Like a fine? A fine for missing jury duty? Yeah, yeah, some kind of fine for for something. I, I don't remember. It was obviously BS. That's spoiler. It's all BS. So I'm like. I go to the, like an ATM. I'm like, all right, I'll get cash anyway. And he's like, draw out like all this money. And I'm like, okay. So I draw out like a little bit. I know this is so wild. I'm not normally like this. Um, and then how much, how much money Taylor? Let me think. It was a couple hundred. I think it was a couple hundred. <laughs> okay. So we're, we're talking three digits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not just $50. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, you know, like cash. I don't know. Like I'll get it. It's not costing me a bunch ATM fee or whatever. And then, uh, and then he was like, you know, okay, go to Kroger and buy some gift cards. And I was like, all right, this guy. So I went back to work and I had all this cash in my, in my wallet. <laughs> so it was the gift cards. That was the straw that broke. Oh the yeah. They always ask for gift cards, I guess. Cause it's like a laundering thing that they can trick people. But yeah, I felt really dumb. I feel really dumb. You know, it happens to the best of us. I had a gum tree scam when I was selling my camping stuff in Australia. It was I felt I lost like $400, but I was so desperate for to sell my stuff because I was flying home and I tried to go through my bank to get the money back because it was $400 and they said no this is a known scam like google this script yeah. that a gum that gumtree is like craigslist and it is verbatim and 
you know, that's just a lesson in life. It's that was scary, my... you know, they can, they can do those like the email ones are really scary because they can do those like everywhere. You just get some like chat GPT thing to write <laughs> the, the text and it's pretty convincing, you know, so. But the gift cards, never trust the gift cards. So are you down for this next vocal warm up? Oh, vocal warm up. You didn't know about this. We already did a vocal. We've kind of already talked. You're a natural, Taylor. But I want to get your take on something. And this vocal warm up is informed by you in a, in the kindest way possible being an opinionated person. Okay. And it's the good kind of opinionated. You know, when you ask somebody like, what do you think about this? And they're like, oh, looks great. No, it's that's fine. That's exactly how I feel. You, you, I love that you pick up on that. I hate because that. I always tell people about that. Yes. I'm like, hey, like, tell me about what you want on this. Like, what do you want for food or whatever? That's like the stereotypical thing. But like, what's your like kind of favorite movie stuff? It's like, just tell them what your thought is. It can be wrong. You know, it can be whatever. Yeah. Give specific. I think by the fact that you having specific feedback on things, and I'll give an example, it actually shows a level of care higher than, oh, it all looks good. Because if it all looks good, you either are scared of me for some reason and scared of giving feedback, or you didn't look at it closely enough in order to give feedback, even if you give one point. So this idea popped in my mind because when you and Maggie came in September to Chicago and I was going over the wedding ceremony for Alexa and Danny, you had a lot of feedback for me and I am somebody who is getting used to receiving feedback better and it made for the ceremony to be a lot better. And I was really appreciative of you. So with that in mind, I want to just do a few social cues or like social things that are not necessarily wrong or right, but I want to know your opinion. Okay. Quick 30 minute boom, boom, boom. As we go through it. 30 minute, huh? This is going to be a 45 hour long podcast. Hey, listen, we're breaking ground here at the, uh, the gal thoughts from your gal pal. So let's start with talking on the phone on a train or a plane. I know you don't take the train as much, but what is your thoughts on that? No, I take, yeah. Is there ever, ever a circumstance when it's, when it's appropriate? Yeah. So train, plane, bus, that sort of thing. You're with other people you don't know. I, you know, I gotta be honest. I think I'm, I'm into it. I'm fine with it. I'm cool with it. And you know, but see, here's, here's the caveat. Here's the caveat. If you pull out your phone and you start talking on the phone and I know everybody's got their headphones and stuff, but let's imagine the, uh, the hand to ear situation. Everybody in that bus is going to hear your conversation and you just, you have to be ready for that. You have to be ready for that. If you come in, you know, like, and and on top of that, you have to give me something. That's my caveat. If you're going to talk on the phone, if you're going to talk on on the bus, yeah, you've got to give me something. You've got to give me a little show, Mm -hmm. a little production, a little something. You know, if you answer the phone like, hey, this is Bob from sales. Oh, like that's, I don't give a shit. That's fine. Do not answer the phone in that case. But if you answer the phone, hey, this is Derek. What do you mean you took a pregnancy test? I'm in. Mm-hmm. I'm so in. <laughs> I'm po- I'm grabbing some popcorn. Everybody's putting their phones away. Everybody's closing their books. Putting they're the like taking out, their headphones out. Like, they're putting their little horn up to their ear. They're like, hang on now. 
hang on now. Tell me more about this. So that's what I need from someone. If they're going to answer the phone on a bus, on a train, even on a plane, like, I don't know about the cell signal, you got to give me something. I'm, I'm actually of the same mind as you. And there are some, okay, this, we're going way over, but who cares? Who cares? What are your thoughts on a speakerphone conversation on the phone? Again, you're just, you're giving. Do you draw the line there? No, no, no. I don't draw the line there. What you're doing there is you're taking this from like community play to Broadway. You're taking this to like, hey, everybody, this is worth listening to. And I just, you have to accept that social contract and give me the real deal. Okay, moving on, kind of different. What do you feel, how do you feel about shoes in the house or people who are, who are very anti-shoes in the house. Thoughts? I think it's a little excessive. Like, you're not a Japanese monk. I think you're culturally insensitive. You're not a Japanese monk in a lot of ways. But, you know, if you want to take it on, look, it's your house, your rules. But also, Mikasa Sukasa. You know what I'm saying? I think you've just got to give, mm. you've got to, first of all, you have to tell me. So many people have this like little foot area. Of course, I yeah. walk in their place first, maybe like I'm just kind of first through the door or whatever. And I'm like, so oh, like what's in the kitchen, like gray house, blah, blah. And they're like taking the shoes off. I'm like, oh shit. I just dredged in all this mud onto your floor and you didn't warn me. Are you always walking you through mud? Me. Well, I guess that's the implication, right? Because if I had clean shoes, we would mm. never take them off, right? That's how I operate. We're, we're a shoes inside kind of house, but, um. My also my my thing is if you have a dog you there is no point in having no shoes in the house because your dog is always tracking. That's shit true. In. So it's like. But you, funny that. I have a counter to that. Maggie and I are hilarious because we now, Jesse has run basically out to the she has run out to the mud a lot, and so we have taken to wiping her feet mm-hmm. off with baby wipes. I don't know if that's good for her feet, but I imagine they're <laughs> yeah. good for her feet. So it's, uh, we, we have the opposite of what you're imagining. A few more. A quick ones. Okay. What do you call your in-laws? What are your thoughts on what the appropriate way to refer to your in-laws is? Or is it a case by case? I, I think Virginia and Greg are casual enough that they're Virginia and Greg. I'm not a fan, not a fan of the like cross- spouse mom and dad referring like if you refer to your in-laws as mom and dad oh no honey no 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 unless you're unless you did not have parents growing up that's a no-go that's a red flag bright red flag so that's kind of how i honestly that's the short answer yeah i like the short answer (laughs) when you greet a new male for the first time for example like one of Maggie's high school friends' husbands or boyfriends. Do you go in for the hug or do you handshake? I think the handshake is cool in a formal setting. Everybody's got nice clothes on. That's the way I roll. If it's someone I've heard of a lot, I don't know. There's a level of, I think the the hand clasp and the pat on the shoulder is such a like guy thing. That's probably acceptable anywhere. Like if everybody's drunk and having a good time, that's what's up. That's what's up. The handshake, no, no, no. Handshake is more respectful. 
respectful. So that's where I'm at. If I'm at a wedding or something, it's cool. Obviously, if they're older, like respectful. Yeah, hi. Give me your give me your hand. Let me shake it. How do you get out of a long conversation with an elder family member or just an elder in general? Ooh, that's a toughie. You know, you absolutely cannot make it your decision. It has to be an external force that is coming in to just take you away mm. from grandma. So I'm going with, you know, technology is an easy one. You're like, oh, I, it, I, I, I think you're breaking up. Like, <laughs> that's a good one. Okay, so I'm talking about in person, like at a Thanksgiving oh. dinner. Oh, oh no. Because oh, the, the no. external force could be like, oh, I need to go help mom in the kitchen with the mashed potatoes, or I need to go help with the baby. Yeah, this got That's a lot harder. Way. This got a lot harder. I think uh, here's what I would do. I would get a sibling beforehand and just say, hey, look, if I give you the wink, you come grab me for something. You set. You can set that up. If you're able to plan ahead, you're like, look, aunt so-and-so is going to talk forever with me specifically individually alone and i need you i don't often need you my sibling but i need you this time that's what i would uh that's what i would set up i could do that with david i could do that with maggie i if you don't have that you don't have a sibling or a friend that will do that for you or if you're just worried that they will leave you to the sharks i would probably you could do the fraternity sorority rush trick if you don't know this fraternity sorority rush trick, you have a glass half full at all times so that if the conversation sucks, you just drink it quickly, <laughs> chug it if you have to, and uh, and say, I got to go get another That's drink. That's a new one for me. Really? That's new to you? In, in sorority... In sorority rush, it's so formal. Oh. You come in and you bump. And I'm really good at bumps now. I'm really good at introducing people. And if someone comes up to me, I say, oh, hi, this is Taylor. He's my brother-in-law. We were just talking about awkward conversations with our grandma. Oh, Ben, he is my coworker. I don't know if you like, that's the, so he immediately knows who you are and what you were talking about. So he can so join So good in. at transitions. You should, you should do a podcast. Wow. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, you've got to, you've got to have that that half cup. So yeah, half filled cup of beverage of choice, uh, and mm. say, you know, Grandma, I love you. I'm gonna cherish you as long as you're around, but I really need some more sweet tea. Moving into the meat of this conversation, or maybe not the meat. I think the the beginning part is often fun and maybe the most replayed on YouTube. Who knows? I don't look into analytics. I don't care that much. But we're today we're talking about moving into fantasies. What's your fantasy, Taylor? My don't answer fantasy? that. Please oh. don't answer that. I don't know if being a fantasy reader is a more recent addition into your hobby ar- um, arbitrage, hobby arsenal, hobby selection. But Walk me back to Taylor in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Were you one of those people that did the accelerated reader or were you more like, I only read one page a day because it's required by class? Like where were you on the scale of reader to not No way. Total reader. I was AR all the way. I loved it. I loved AR. Yeah, it's great. Like it was like you could just, it was relaxing to me. It was fun. You know, I was not one of the cool kids and definitely in middle school, definitely, you know, mostly not in high school. And it, like just being having that outlet to kind of relate to people was really fun and really nice. 
I was a big like Greek myth kind of nerd in middle school. And like, you know, I was one of those kids that loved it. So I just loved those stories in the beginning. Uh, yeah, I read a ton of adult fantasy or sorry, young adult fantasy uh, in middle school and kind of stuff. Shout out to Christopher Paolini for Aragon. Best series of all. I read a bunch of oh minor my ones. Did you read those? No, but I can. I know exactly what the book covers looked like because all the weird kids in my honors classes read them. <laughs> Sorry, they were, they were really good. Yeah, they would be and hiking like, them around. No, it was good. It was good it. stuff. And like you know, obviously worth mentioning, like Harry Potter all the way. Everybody read those. Of that course. was the big AR. That was the big AR like banker. You could get a ton of credits for it, and like most people could even watch the movie and answer most of the questions. But then they got smart halfway and switched it, and it was very dramatic for our middle school. Knowing your history a little bit more about books, in your own words, what do you think makes for a good fantasy book or a fantasy series? My my mind has changed. I actually so. I did that all in middle school. And it can evolve. Like, like what did you school. like when you were 13 and what do you Yeah, yeah, I'll give you I'll give you the, the breakdown. So the big things for me when I was in middle school, like for most like young boys, like being and I think most children, like having more power than you literally have in the world is pretty pretty important, right? So like taking on responsibility, being a part of a bigger picture and having power in that bigger picture is like obviously pretty awesome. Um, I thought this through a lot recently. I was telling Maggie about this. I read a lot of those books and can I just say the one thing that I believe in working with children, the thing that every child wants is two things, attention and autonomy. They want dedicated attention toward them and they want as much control or power as they can handle. That's my, that's my two cents. Continue. No kids want that. And like, I think that sense of like being power taken away given imagining a world where they can be more have more agency than what they have in the that's real right a hundred percent and like honestly most people from any age are probably feel that way that's how it was for me and for like a boy is like you watch uh lord of the rings like my older brothers were huge in the lord of the rings and uh i've actually never read those books i've read the hobbit ones but i never read the lord of the ring books i should but like, it was just awesome. Like doing awesome epic things with epic people and epic things was really fun. And that was really cool. And so there's like a lot, there's a common theme on a lot of those where there's this like coming of age story where this person, usually a tween, right? Gets, uh, figures out magic, learns about the world and uh, goes on it. So I think that what that's what makes a really great young adult book to bring it back to your question uh, for adult fantasy, which is real. For people out there, it's not just for kids. It's very much real. Absolutely. And what makes those, I don't know. I think it's a personal preference, like a lot of adult things. But for me, it's always about, is this world, is this whole, you know, maybe magic system or however that's framed, is it like interesting? Is it surprising? Is it complex enough to like really relate to the plot? Um, I think that was what turned a lot of people off from lord of the rings was that the magic was not very consistent like it was fun and epic and like people would pretend the characters would kind of like pretend like they knew what was going on but like as a reader you're like oh okay they can actually just you know cast a spell for that all right problem solved like it was kind of random and kind of weird and i think for a lot of fantasy there weren't enough parameters to say to see like this problem can't be solved 
like as a reader, as you understand the 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 boundaries that the magic in that fantasy world, where there are end limits, you because if you think that like, oh, they can just come up with a spell to solve everything, then there's really no struggle because right. you know, oh, they can just correct it with something. There has to be limitations to whatever power or magic that the characters have to create any sort of one relatability and two conflict in that's right it's like i need to know the limits of what's possible here otherwise anything goes and i'm just along for the ride yeah so like that's i think that's what makes a great adult fantasy series books whatever if you could sum it up who is your favorite fantasy character a specific character as a very relatable one if you've ever seen game of thrones Tyrion lannister is a really special character to me um, he has a long story ahead of him from the very beginning. You learn his character. He has a long story through all of the books. Uh, that was another book I read in high school. So I was that kind of nerd, uh, man. I loved game of Thrones. I remember when those first episodes came out, do you know what year those came out? I have no idea. Um, Ooh, I'm going to guess 2011, should we look that up? was the start. Let's see. Game of yeah, Thrones first episode. All right, the first episode came out in 2011. Woo! Man, I'm good. Nailed I'm it. Good. Nailed okay. it. So I so I saw that in high school, and I was like, and I don't even know why my parents put that on. They were like, yes, yeah, we fine. My mom was so funny. She's like, she would say <laughs> when we watched that show, and the sex scenes would come up, which of course happens in the very first episode, and we're like in high school. She would say. Cover your eyes. Cover your eyes. <laughs> and we're like sitting on the couch <laughs> with our eyes covered. And my brother David's like cracking his. And he's like checking it out. It's so funny. But she would do, she would let us watch it. Then as soon as there was a, a boob or anything, she'd be like, cover your eyes. <laughs> hey, she had to protect her boys. That's right. I have a side question for that. About sex. I wanted to, I, I framed this as the Akatar discussion. The Court of Thorns of Roses. Yes. Do you think there is value in having... I'll ask you two versions of this question. One, do you think there's value in having romance within a fantasy book? And another layer to that is, do you think there's value in having explicit sex scenes in a fantasy book? Or do you think you could go either way? What are your thoughts on that? I... So I read Akatar. I think that one's like a pretty popular series for a lot of people. Um, extremely Extremely popular. popular, right. So... To me, I'm, I'm first of all, I think there's a place for it, 100%. And the reason for that is there's some people who it really does drive their interest is just like getting to the next sex scene, like the context behind that, the story, the characters, that whole thing. And that's fine and exciting. Who was I talking to? I was talking to somebody. Um, I think it was Emma. <laughs> I was pitching her a different series, Emma Mahavik. And uh, she was like, she was like is there any like smut is there any like sex stuff and i was like no there's absolutely no sex stuff it's i'm just gonna warn you because we had just gotten off of avatar there's none of that and she was like uh i might skip it (laughs) so so, (laughs) a girl who knows what she wants i know and some people do absolutely i fall into i do fall into that camp a little bit more i'm reading crescent city right now it's taking me months please don't judge me but there, it's definitely more of a YA fantasy, and there's just so much flirting, but no sex. And I'm just like, yes, I need. So I've I've heard that books can. I'm really into alliteration today. I don't know why. Autonomy <laughs> agency, your hobbies being bees. This one's is the E's. It's an alphabet soup out here. 
<laughs> oh my gosh, I want to eat that now. <laughs> Edu- so books are meant to educate, entertain, or escape. Fantasy is super escape and entertain, but for me, a huge element of entertainment is sex scenes. Yeah, I guess escapism too. It's such a fantasy. I think I think that really erotic sex scenes in fantasy can really stretch the limits of kink perhaps and i think it's an added layer of fantasy to fantasy books as a genre yeah it totally oh it totally plays into this like the the context is important right it's like oh this these two shouldn't be Mm. together because they're like an elf and a human or whatever or they're of different classes in whatever society or you know it's it's you know that kind of context is exciting and fun for people and it's definitely like taking you out of it um uh, the question of like romance, 100%, you have to have some romance. I think that's a part of the human experience. So for, as part of like a character development, I think some people overdo it, but I think it's it's good um, to have it in a lot of places. And, you know, some people do it in a very, uh, what's the word? I don't know, just common way. Cliche, cliche is the word. And, and that always sucks. And honestly, the sex scenes can be like that too. I know Akatar had some kind of, a lot of adjectives and adverbs were reused. <laughs> you know, if I have to hear one more rippling muscles again, I'm like so <laughs> over it. A low roar. Yes, a grumble or growl or something. It's like, come on, use different, figure out, open up a dictionary, please. Um, and maybe that's the answer. I also feel like Sarah J. Moss is is an, a queen of world building and tension building, but her vocabulary is not good. Yeah, sure. I know that I'm I'm not a writer. I shouldn't say that, but that has been my I will read everything she puts out, but I am not going to be I'm not going to be wowed by the prose. You're done for. But I love the stories and I love You're so done for. The uh I'm the Akatar fans are coming after you after this. Hit up the YouTube yeah. comments. I'm canceled in every episode <laughs> for different reasons. Yeah, I mean, I so, she's great. I I haven't read any others besides her so maybe that's the answer if you're into smut you know check out different authors and that might be your answer so you mentioned that you tried to pitch emma on a new series so i'll call this question the influence me taylor (laughs) influence me taylor what are some maybe give me one or two series that you've read recently or books that you think pitch it to me as what i'm getting out of these two series take it away okay I would 100% pitch uh, Akatar. I would pitch Akatar to anybody who's thinking about fantasy. I know the smut thing is the thing, but uh, it's really easy to read and it's really popular. That would be my first like general person. If you're not like into fantasy, like jump on the train. There's going to be a Hulu or HBO or whatever, some production coming. There is, yeah. Not only that, but most, a lot of people have read them, so there can be a sense of community, like virtual book Yeah, there's art out there, there's stories, side stories, like a whole thing. It's definitely, that's my general person who's not like a reader kind of pitch, definitely. If for someone who's like looking for a deep, a good one, I think this series and this author is going to be the next big thing. If you have heard of it, uh, the author is Brandon Sanderson. And his books, he has a couple of series. So he has a series called The Stormlight Archive, is a series. And he has another series of Mistborn, okay? What's interesting about it, and this is kind of the stuff, getting back to what I love about fantasy books, I love a huge uh, world that has been changed by the magic or is different from the magic. So this man is 
first of all, he's a writing animal. So you will not get the Game of Thrones treatment where the books will go unwritten. Amazing pitch. Like that for sure sell, sold me at first because I had just gotten off of Game of Thrones, which was terrible. So he's got this world building. This world building stretches beyond different books, different book series. So the Stormlight Archive series is in the same universe as the Mistborn series. And this magic is, like we've talked about, like pretty limited. It has some pretty strict rules. He's got this like series. It's the subgenre of fantasy to me that I, I don't know. There's probably a science fiction word for it, but it's like the forces at work here are so much bigger than you could possibly participate in. It's almost like this super fantasy thing. It's kind of like, you know, you see Titans and like eventually your character can like level up basically to use a D&D video game turn, like level up to get to God mode and take them on. Like that's fun, but like these people are untouchable and they will you will get crushed and like people do get crushed and that's really fun and the characters are just phenomenal i know a, a big thing that i definitely tell people like for fantasy is that like you often get the you know white guy western white guy treatment where like all the women are princesses and all the guys are like knights this definitely flips it on their head so in stormlight archive in the world like only the women can read the men don't read it's like not acceptable even in the society and all the way down to the characters, like the women are badasses. There's definitely different um, sexual preference folks, uh, sexual minority folks, which is different for fantasy. Uh, and the author, Brandon Sanderson, has like been open about like, you know, I've had some old books that are kind of stuck to the norms and, and I'm trying to break out of it. And so he's like very much I mean, he's a white guy from uh, from, I think, uh, Utah or Nebraska. <laughs> so he's like, you know. I've, I'm limited. I'm limited in my experience in a lot of ways, which is fine. But he's, you know, he's like, I'm learning. I'm trying to figure it out and navigate it. So that's my big pitch for people. Yeah. Can you give us uh, quantitative data as to how many books are out slash how many books there are predicted to be? So what would be the time, the time estimate? All right. So you're, if you start now, you're hopping in, in the meat of it. And if this is a good time to start, I think. So first of all, you have the Mistborn series, which is his own track. Okay, there's a trilogy to start with. That's a great one to start with. Then there's another trilogy on that track with a fourth one added on. So there's seven books on the Mistborn track, okay? On the Stormlight, I don't know how many he plans for the Mistborn track. I think there's going to be 10 total, nine total. Don't quote me on it, but nine total. On the Stormlight track, you have basically five books of which he's written four he's writing the fifth now and he's almost he'll probably be done 2024 the fifth one uh he's doing those five books it's not a it's not a trilogy but you know like a five book series is there a word for that there's a, a pentagy pentagy one i'm inventing the word now i'm inventing pentagy okay. now tm so there's tm by tm TV. tm tm so that's a five book series and then there's going to be like a kind of a break. And then it will be the same kind of world series, uh, five more, which are 10 total. Two final questions on this, uh, this influence me section. One, is there any smut in this series or is that the, the kicker? In my opinion, there's good romance. There is definitely not any sex or smut. A hundred percent. None of that until further notice. I don't know. Maybe okay. he'll write it in the future. Maybe, but not right now. 
And number two, are you sponsored by Brandon Sanderson? No, no, I'm just obsessed. I promise you, if you know anybody that has read these, they are obsessed. Maybe I'm like in the bubble, but I'm like, everybody is like, you know, there's totally going to be a series. There's totally going to be like a, a movie adaptation. And what's amazing about it is I do not want them to make it because it can't live up to it. Well, Taylor, I do. I'm glad this this day finally came to fruition. And I think if you're watching the video, the sun has set as I have recorded this. So I will set the sun on this interview. Thanks for having me and giving me your thoughts.